I'll tell you what, it's Namu here and I have been absolutely loving Cheeky Monkey's surf break series. Adzi, T-Bone, what about you two? Yeah, what? mate, I've been uh, ripping into a brand new double East Coast hazy IPA by the name of Rabbit Hill. And just like the sandy, dredge-spitting demon of a bank that uh, Rabbits is, mate, it packs a punch. It's, it's bloody certainly, good. certainly does pack a punch. What about you, T-Bone? What have you been ripping in at? I like a little juicy, little right-hand slabbing little windmills brew mate yeah <laughs> the old hazy mid 3.5 percent you know me Azzy. you do love a mid strength don't you mate and the cheeky monkey windmills it's a bloody good one because it gives you that full bodied full mouth experience uh mm. but it's by far the, their weakest beer so you can actually have not weak in terms of weakness just no. in terms of alcohol by volume that's right so you can have a couple at a barbie and still drive home Unlike the Rabbit Hill where you cop one over the falls into the sandbank and you're getting wheeled off in a stretcher. They're the ones I like. You don't want that, so uh, keep an eye out for the Cheeky Monkey beers in your bottle shop. They are brought to you by the good folk of Cheeky Monkey and they are bloody awesome. We're enjoying them as much as you could possibly imagine. So tell them about Surf Podcast sent you. Yoo-hoo. Sunday afternoon, back in my shed. My name's Adzi. I'm doing a little segment uh, for Barreled Surf Podcasts. Our segment is on a good friend of mine and local yelling up identity known as Kiwi Bradzi. How are you, Bradzi? Good, Adzi. Thanks, good, mates. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries. Well, it's good to just come in the shed and have a couple of beers because we surf together a lot and work together all the time, but got busy schedules and don't often take the time to sit down and have a beer so worst case scenario at least we're having a beer in the shed and a couple of oddies and a couple of oddies we'll get to we'll get to your vodka penchant later because that is <laughs> actually intertwined in the story that uh i've got you in here to tell um but anyway so yeah we're here for uh barreled surf podcast and we're going to uh do a little um interview with bradsey here today and we're going to start bradsey with the same sort of things we start with everyone so uh We'll start with your name and age and occupation and where do you live, just to get the ball rolling. Paint the picture for us, Brassy. Um, I'm Brad Smith. I'm 49, uh, originally from Christchurch in the South Island, New Zealand, and been in Yelling Up for about 25 years. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. And uh, you're a jib rocker by trade? Jib rocker by trade, yep. With your buddy, Kel? Yep. We started up a business here about... Yeah, 25 years ago, and everything's going well, pretty busy. Just rolled in as a couple of young punks who thought they knew how to slap drip rock on the walls and uh, <laughs> called yourself professionals, and uh, now you've got a team of about bloody 10 people working for you, and you're doing all the biggest top-end houses in some of the fanciest bloody suburbs in Australia. Yeah, no, it's going well, and uh, always sort of see surfers on the job sites like yourself and other, other tradies, and yeah, no, it's a good, good place to be. Good part of the world to live in. Yeah. And uh, mate, it's it's pretty uh, funny that uh, you you know you've been in WA here for twenty five years now, but you're still commonly known as Kiwi Bradzi. I don't think you're ever gonna 
shake that one. You're still under in my phone as Kiwi Bradsy, so that's just the way it is, isn't it? But there's a lot of love between Anzacs, isn't there? There so, is, there is, yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. It's um, all right, mate. And you live in a pretty bloody nice place. You live very close to uh, our local main break, uh, and also the local Caves House, uh, which is an iconic pub of the area. So short walk down to the pub and a quick jog down to the main beach. It's uh, yeah, pretty lucky where you live. You're very close to the beach. Yeah, it's, it's handy on the long weekend Caves Sunday sessions because we usually have a few drinks at home and uh, walk through the bush to the pub. That usually takes about 20 minutes or so and, and the walk home usually takes about an hour. But <laughs> yeah, pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, that saves getting taxis and um, no, nah, it's a good little spot to live. And uh, and you keep pretty fit, a lot fitter than me, obviously. I, I like to call it a float, personal flotation device, <laughs> but um, yeah, and, uh, and and you do a lot of running, uh, you just, yeah, a lot of jogging down to Yales and down to Smith's Beach and through the national parks. Um, pretty ideal really for someone who wants to sort of do those sorts of activities. For sure, and and having a couple of dogs, you know, it's always good to sort of get them on the beach and give them a bit of exercise as well, and yep. checking the surf while you're doing it. Yep. Yes. Yeah, no, it's good. Very good. All right, mate. Well, let's start with um, your surfing career. Uh, how old was it? Were you roughly when you sort of got into surfing, and and how did you find your way into surfing in the uh, cold, frigid waters of New Zealand? Um, it was probably when we were about ten. We uh, came across, we were doing some garage sales and we came across an old surfboard in an old guy's shed and uh, he pretty much gave it to us for free and we took it down to the uh, water and it had no fins in it. Yeah, right. Who's we, by the way? Oh, a couple of mates from home, yeah. Okay. Dave Christensen and, and Kelly McDonald and um, yeah, it sort of started from there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you found one board at a garage sale with no fins between the three of you. Yep. And that was it. You just, that what, was what it. do you do? You put fins in it and, and shared it? We or? just didn't even put fins in it and just <laughs> shared, shared it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just sort of snowballed from there. A teacher at primary school was uh, the main photographer in the South Island and uh, yep. he took us on board and he'd have surf school every Friday and then he sort of slowly take started taking us on surf trips and then uh, started taking a few photos and and it just sort of expanded from there yeah yeah right classic yep. and uh mate was it purely a summer pursuit i mean it was pretty cold there i'm guessing or how it did was, you go wetsuits or what was the deal it was all all year round um yep. i mean back in those days there wasn't many people surfing where we lived yep and there was no wetties and we used wow. to surf in um woolen jumpers and you know the old hats the old people used to wear with the old frilly you know, the swimmer hats. Oh, yeah. The old, yeah. we used to um, surf with those. <laughs> uh, dishwashing gloves as, as gloves. and what, really? Just, yeah, and tracky pants. Get out here. <laughs> yeah, that, that so was... So tracky pants. That was the winter suit. Woolen jumpers, dishwashing gloves, and, and the old lady swimmer's caps. You know, with the frilly sort of uh, rubber hats with the frilly things on the top? Yeah. yeah. That was our winter suit. Wow. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good look. And I mean, we didn't I know reckon you should run that again one day at Yale's <laughs> so you, so everyone looks at you. And we didn't know any difference, so that, that was just the way it was. And what you year know? was that, you, you reckon? That was um, 1980. 1980. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. So all of you had the same get-up? You all had the same? All had the same get-up. Yeah. Maybe different washing gloves. One had pink, <laughs> one had yellow. <laughs> that's classic, man. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, and obviously Kel, uh, that uh, name there, Kelly McDonald, is a, is a man that... Uh, I know as well who came over here and started up a business with this. You guys have been mates uh, for a very long time. Yeah, he lived down the road. He sort of started surfing a bit later, um, but 
he was the first one that had his license. Uh, he had the first car, so he yeah. was always a transport for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, it didn't help much though because you told me he's a bit of a shocking driver and he <laughs> killed you a couple of times. <laughs> Maybe actually, those stories will come up. But, uh, he's actually nearly killed me twice down Kay's road going surfing, so yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, well, so getting his license early didn't necessarily mean uh, he had better skills. Nah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Right. classic. And um, mate, how cold was the water there? Um, you know, roughly? Sort of 12 degrees, I think. 14 degrees, 12 yeah, or 14. Right. That's cold, yeah. isn't it? So you came in from a surf and you couldn't unlock your car door. Your hands were that sort of stiff. You jumped in the shower, your hands sort of doubled in size from the cold to hot. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cold. Blood vessels. Real ice cream headaches, yeah. And so you did that for a few years. How did you get your first wetty? Um, I think, yeah, about 14, mum and dad sort of bought us a steamer. That was the first one, a two mil steamer. Two mil. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And it sort of went from there, but yeah, to get that ste- that two mil steamer was a big, big step up. Oh, mate, would have felt that good. Yeah. Even though now a two mil steamer just wouldn't do a wouldn't thing. Wouldn't cut the mustard. Not back to mention there. it wouldn't have had glue sealed seams or any of that jazz. It was just some old duck probably stitched together with fishing line. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Mate, I'm pretty sure I see you shivering out at Yale's waiting <laughs> for sets in a two, a three two these days, but. Uh, yeah, we're all a bit we're all a bit uh, harder back then when we were just frothing groms, weren't we? Oh, definitely. When you don't know any different, you just roll with what you got, don't you? So maybe let's push that technical first board aside because that seemed like a bit of a groupy board. What was the next board? Can you remember that? That probably would have felt more like your genuine first board that that you owned individually, or maybe it was a new one. Or can you remember anything that that stuck out? I think it was always hand-me-downs from the, the older guys. Um, yep. Yeah, we always sort of got the hand-me, hand-me-downs. But back then, it was definitely twin fins were in. Yep. And, yeah, a few thrusters going around. A couple of nice old single fins. Yeah, so um, a bit of everything. Yeah, I remember a mate had a nice old singly from Ratso. He gave him a nice old single fin. Is that so a local Kiwi shaper? Ian Buchanan, he's actually a WSL judge now. Is he? Yeah, yeah he was right. sort of number one in New Zealand back there, but he he came from the same town. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah. he had a couple of nice old boards he'd give the boys, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. There you go. And what about, um, like, magazines and movies? Did you, you know, was there any of that that you can remember in those early days that you, once you got into surfing, you sort of picked up on them and frothed out on on any movies or magazines was there any exposure of anything finding its way to the cold shores of kiwi land or um you really had to search for it um but i remember back in the day my inspiration was sarge's scrapbooks oh yeah i remember those yeah uh they were always good to watch the guys surf well and they partied well and um (laughs) it was always good footage of trips around Oz and, and from, from that day I, all I wanted to do was go to Oz is that right from so those videos yeah so that's where the froth to come surf in Australia came oh, from oh definitely yeah. Sarge's surfing scrapbooks scrapbooks and a couple of friends lived in Cronulla uh, a couple of older the boys yep. and yeah Cronulla was going to be our first stop for sure yeah right oh, cool and um, did you have any uh, was it what, what was your like favorite sort of surfing memories of of new zealand in those early years was there any epic sessions that went down that any i I don't know a lot about the surf there but i know there's a lot of different setups river mouths and point breaks and all that stuff is there anything that sort of stood out in those teenage years where you just scored some unbelievably long tubing river mouth or something like that that's maybe now a popular wave that had no one around back then any anything pops in your head um 
Yeah, from Christchurch, we'd go south. We're on a peninsula. So on a south swell, there was kind of a peninsula with lots of bays. We'd get surfs around there. And then a big south swell would head north, sort of three hours to Kaikoura. And um, back then, it was sort of really uncrowded. Yep. Good point breaks, river mouth, speech breaks. Yep. Sort of had it all. Yeah. And and super uncrowded. I'm super uncrowded. Where I lived was kind of like a Florida setup. You know, it sort of didn't get much swell. Oh yeah. But there was always places to go if you wanted a wave. Yeah. Cool. And what about Raglan? Obviously, that's the most famous wave in NZ. Uh, is that on the North Island? It's on the North Island yeah. West Coast. Yeah. Did, did you do start doing trips up there, or how yeah. did it work? Yeah, back in the day, they the post office did a contest, New Zealand contest, and they made the final of the uh, South Islands, and they took us up to uh, Raglan for a, like a New Zealand contest, and that was the first time I ever surfed it. That was when I was 14. Oh, yeah? And uh, yeah, that was the first experience. I mean, it was about six to eight foot, and it was kind of out of my league, but yeah, yeah right. just to see it for the first time was pretty special. Epic. That's and did you start hunting it a bit after that, or was it too much of a mission to get there? Um, yeah, did another couple of trips once I'd sort of seen it, yeah. and by that time I was sort of old enough to think, right, it's time to start planning to get to Oz. Yeah, right. That was that was the main ambition was get enough money to get a plane ticket and a little bit of money to go travelling in Oz. Yep. Yeah. And at that time, were you thinking you were going to move to Oz, or you just wanted to go on a surf holiday to Oz? No, nah, I wanted to move. And why was that? Because of the waves. R really? 100%? Yeah. That was so it? scrapbooks just, just sold yeah. me. But yeah. I mean, you had such a wide variety of good waves in New Zealand at Uncrowded at your disposal, didn't you? So We did, but I mean, seeing seeing footage of the Goldie, you know, pumping guys in board shorts, just the yeah. warmth, the tropicalness, just that's all I wanted. Yeah, right. I wanted to ditch the wetsuits. And ditch, it, ditch, ditch the washing gloves. <laughs> <and laughs> <laughs> the tracksuit pants and the woolen jumpers, yeah. No, I, I, I loved... I loved skiing in the mountains, but the cold, I've always hated the cold. Yeah, right. And Aussie just, yeah, just lured me from the start. Yeah, right, yep. cool. Okay, so um, what uh, what was your first trip to Australia then? How did it go down? Um, flew into Cronulla, a couple of the older boys from home, had a flat there right on the beachfront, yep. uh, Bando Road in Cronulla. And yeah, just flew in there, um, got a job and just stayed there for about six months. Yeah, sweet. What were you doing for work then? I'm um, just working factory work. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just sweet. enough money. It was a 4 to 12 job, 4 in the Arvo to 12. Oh, so sweet. surf all day and then go to work yeah. in the Arvos. Back then when you just had endless energy, it wasn't a problem, was it? <laughs> no, Couldn't no. Couldn't do that now, could you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we, we Kelly was already there and we got enough money to get a car. Yep. And as soon as we had enough money to sort of see us through for a while, we packed the car up and just went went surfing, did a surf did trip. Did you head to the Goldie? Well, I mean, the the that was sort of the destination in the end, but all the way through was was good, yeah. Yep, all through Newcastle New and New yep. South Wales, and yep. yeah, yeah, classic. Any uh, memorable moments from from that road trip there? Did Kel try to kill you at all on that one, or um, any uh, any funny party stories that may or may not have happened? One one happened in Newcastle. We were in a car park. We just had a surf and. Um, we uh, all had meat pies and we had a couple of um, non-legal stuff on us and yep. the cops pulled up and uh, next minute they wanted to take us back for a line-up. There'd been a robbery and they, we kind yeah. of fitted the description. <laughs> Dodgy uh, looking Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have lots of tattoos back then? Probably not. Nah. Because no, nah, you've got lots now, but not then. Yeah, and uh, we had a couple of things on board we shouldn't have. So. Yep. 
they asked us to follow them back to the station. So we actually had w- what we had. We threw them in our meat pies and uh, really threw them in the back <laughs> of the car. And yeah, we were in a police lineup. No way. An old lady came in and um, yeah, we had numbers holding up in front of us. And <laughs> luckily, she saw who who did the crime and she chose number seven. But cool. yeah. Jeez, you're a, you're a whole Australian life that's played out before you now could have really taken a turn for oh, the worse off the of the bat. Get some old duck with Coke bottle glasses <laughs> on, he can't quite work out. Yeah, it was those young fellas over there. Yeah, and all well, of a sudden, you're in Pentridge and, yeah, it could be a whole different story we're talking about here. It went from getting a meat pie in a Newcastle bakery to, yeah, in a, a line-up a at line police station. <laughs> That's a- classic, And man. the guy that was next to me was, was the guy and he was freaking out. And like you were saying... Oh, so the guy, the crim was actually next to you in the car park as well? No, nah, he was in the lineup. Oh, in the lineup, the guy yeah, next yeah. to you. But yeah, but like you say, I was hoping that lady had good, good enough eyes to yeah. tell that it was him and not me. Or when she pointed to the guy next to you, the <laughs> cops didn't think they were pointing at you. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Wow, so what a cracking we, story. We love Newcastle, but we were kind of keen to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, get the, the hell end. out of there. Yeah. Okay, we're done here. Yeah, yep. cool. And did you, um, northern New South Wales, that's a bit of a favourite spot of mine up there. I love that area. Did you get some good waves at Lennox and stuff? Angari, Lennox, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Lennox, um, Broken Head. That yep. was probably my favourite area. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty popular area, isn't we it? We kind of didn't know whether we'd, we wanted to find somewhere and, and park up, yep. but... Work-wise, in that area, it kind of didn't look sort of too promising. So Wasn't as busy back then. Probably not as many work opportunities, I guess. No, so we just yep. kept driving. Yeah, and and we just sleeping in your car or sleeping in the car. What, we what had, car did you have? We had an old XP Falcon wagon. Oh yeah, four point one. Yeah, 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 plenty of room. Plenty, you, plenty you, of grunt. Yeah, were you and Kel share in the back there? Were you? Um, yeah, there was actually three. Four of us. Four of yeah. Proper Kiwis. <laughs> Tight-ass Kiwis just jamming into 10 people into a bloody one-bedroom apartment and, and whatnot. It's uh, nah, a bit of a running joke there, but uh, Kiwis, uh, frothing surfing Kiwis have, have always been known to really uh, squeeze their most out of their accommodation. So you had four people sleeping in a wagon. An XB wagon, yeah. Yeah, well, they were a big car. They were a big car, The old yeah. fatty Fords, as yeah. we used to call them, but... Yeah. Uh, Oh, at least you wouldn't have got cold at night time anyway. Nah, it was pretty comfortable. Pretty cosy in there. Yeah, yeah. That's classic. And then you rolled into the Goldie and... Rolled into the Goldie and, yeah, the expectations weren't sort of up there. I mean, loved the place, but didn't have the feeling of staying to, to sort of settle in there. Yep, yep. Had a few good surfs, saw some good bands, but it wasn't the place, so we kept moving up to the sunny coast. Yeah, right, cool. And... um. So what happened at the end of that trip? How did you uh, d- did you do the east coast and and then head back to Kiwi land or what happened? We we did the sunny coast and lived there for a year and then yep. got itchy feet. Drove back down to Cronulla, worked there for about six months and then did the road trip round to WA. All oh, right, so you, so you yeah just stayed in Australia that whole time. Yep. And then went across Nullarbor. Yeah, went across Nullarbor, Cactus and South Australia and yep. good, good spots. And then as soon as we got to Yowls, it was just like, this is the spot. Really? Knew it straight away. So it was love at first sight. Love at first when sight. When you come down that winding road down the hill, looking at the surf rolling in at main break and the, and the cliffs heading up to Cape Naturalist, it was... I can understand how it was instant love because uh, I had the same feeling. But uh, yeah, so yeah. that was it. Both you and Ke- was it just you and Kel at that stage and another guy, and yeah. it was kind of reminded us of home. It was you know it was kind of relaxed, lots of room to move, lots of nature, and uh, yeah, that was it. So we stayed here for a month. And Where did you stay when you at the caravan park? Yelling at caravan park. The one on the beach. Mm. Or, yeah. yeah. 
and we did work to sort of pay for our accommodation. Sweet. And that was about ninety uh, five or something, was it? That was that was eighty. That was nineteen ninety. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. And then we sort of made a deal. Right. Let's go home, save up, do a trip to Indo, and then we'll come back here and live. Right. And had you been to Indo at that stage previously? No, no, yeah. I hadn't been. Yeah. Cool. So uh, okay. So you stayed here for a bit. Obviously, uh, fell in love with the place and surfed around everywhere and. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, it was a holiday party town at the time. It wasn't wasn't very good for partying um, outside of holidays back then. Not like it is now. It's a lot busier now. And but uh, no doubt there were some good parties going on back in the day in 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 those holiday periods back then. Yes. Yeah, we were kind of more surfing than than partying. But I remember the pub was always a Wednesday night. It was a good night. Oh always yeah. Had some good old old school bands. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Okay, so you went back to uh, NZ, you saved up some money, and you planned your first Indo trip. Where was that to? Um, Kelly was in Indo in 92, sitting in Nias, and as you do, you're always sort of trying to hunt for new waves. Yep. And we, he had a map of the Indo archipelago, and just thought, Mentawais, there's got to be waves there. Yeah, right. And you hadn't heard anything about Mentawais at, at that stage? Uh, apart from a couple of videos, you see Tom Curran on the um, on the Indies Trader. Oh yeah, but yeah, you, you didn't really know much about that sort of part of the Indo. So was Kel in Nias before you? Was he? Kel's in Nias in '92. Came yep. back and and showed me a map and said, "Mate, we've got to go check out these islands." Yeah, right. And did you know how you were going to check them out at that stage? Well, we kind of had a small plan, um, but we just thought we'll get to Indo and just go from there. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about the first your first trip there then. So we flew into KL and yep. then we caught the train, which was an overnighter up to um, P- Penang in Malaysia. Yep. And then we caught this boat through this channel that takes you from Malaysia across to Indonesia. Oh, yeah. Is that the Malacca Straits? Um, jeez, oh I can't remember what it is now, but... Anyway... We got to the mainland Sumatra, and then we got to Medan. First went to Sebolga. So we got to Medan and went over to Sebolga, and then caught the overnight ferry over to um, Nias. Yep. And then the plan was, I mean, we were sitting in the Nias port, and all I wanted to do was go 20 minutes and see the main wave, but we yep. had a plan to go to the Talos. Right. And we were going to charter a boat from there and go searching the Mentawais. And... And so, you, what, you just chartered like a local fishing boat or something? Yep, we, we sort of searched around the, the fishing village and found an old boat and uh, bought some wood and sort of made up a little bit of a tarp and, and stuff on the boat and got some food together and off we went. What? So, did you buy a boat or did you just charter a chartered boat? Chartered a boat, yeah, a so fishing boat, yeah. A couple yep. of local Indos. A couple of local Indos. Whipped up a bit of shade on it. Yep. And then said, okay, let's let's go putt out to the Tellos. This is, yeah, very basic map, but this is kind of where we want to go and, and have a look. Yeah, right. And it was just you and Kel? Uh, there was four of us, but oh, yeah. yeah, Kel was sort of the, he, he was the main man of what, what was going on. And yep. um, yeah, we all sort of funded it, the yeah. four of us. Yeah, right. And um, so what did you do for supplies and stuff on that first trip? Did you just a shitload of rice and hope you are going to get fish or, and veggies off Islanders, did you know that there was people at the Tallows and stuff like that? I mean, the Tallows, yeah, we knew there was people at the Tallows, but the mints we didn't uh, we didn't know anything about. Yep. So we had shitloads of rice, noodles, biscuits, and lollies. That yes, was about, that was about it. Hoping to you know catch a few fish, and yeah, food wasn't really a priority. It was kind of as long as the gut was full. Yep, yep. Um, 
kind of trying to find the waves, yeah. And what year was that again? That was 93. 93. So that yep. was your first sort of exploratory trip? That was the first trip, yeah. yeah. So yep. then what, you went to Tellos to start with? Went to the Tellos. You scored good waves? Scored some good little waves there, and then just we, we sort of shot off that night. And, and anybody surfing there? No, nah, no one surfing and there. you didn't even know where the waves were? Didn't know where the waves were. Or what their names were. Probably didn't have names. Didn't have names. Yeah. Kind of asked locals about stuff, but they weren't much help, so we kind of just had to scour the island ourselves. Yeah, classic. And what a, what do you do in the way of like a medical kit? Were you pretty prepared in that front? Or um, so then keep in mind this is... You know, no GPS, no bi- no mobile phones, and you know it was a lot more remote than what it is now. If you hurt yourself, oh, no definitely boats and yeah. If you got yourself badly cut up, you're in trouble. That's for sure. But we just had a basic stitch kit, a couple of band aids, and some band aids, a bit of betadine, <laughs> some Dettol. Yeah. No. <laughs> so you weren't weren't super prepared on the medical front, or did you have a little stitch kit? Or we had a stitch kit, you know, yeah. a basic little kit. But yep. yeah, nothing it, major. Nothing major, no. Right, no. And malarial tablets or anything like that, because it was pretty rife back then, wasn't we it? We had malarial tablets back then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you went to the Tellos, and and how long did you, um, how long did you spend on that first uh, boat trip there? That was a three-week mission. Yeah. Um, we had, like I said, we had a basic map, but. We were searching all these sort of outside coves of islands. Yep. Um, these days, you find that all the all the good waves are tucked right in, like places like Maccas and Greenbush and things like that. They're all yep. tucked in right on the you know on the land, deep where, in the bay. Deep in the bay. But we were yep. sort of searching all the outside skirtings of the bays. So Thinking that's where the point breaks were. We I reckon we jumped off for the first week out into waves that weren't waves, you know, and we didn't yeah, right. we didn't know and. Yep. Um, and then we were sort of going in between where now Maccas and HTs are and just couldn't find any waves because we weren't scouring the bays. You weren't going into ins- deep inside the bays. You were sort of just going down the edge of the islands and looking for stuff out on the edges, I guess. Exactly. And we had an old fishing boat that only went sort of eight knots. So yeah. the fishermen never wanted to sort of go into bays and get near reefs and go sort of near the waves. So they sort of just scoured the outer islands. Yeah. Um, and anyway, we were passing what now is Macca's and we we're heading towards HT's and we saw this fishing boat and looked closely and it was a bunch of Aussie lads. Yeah, right. So they were about the first guys sort of surfing around there apart from Martin Daly and anyway, we, we caught up with them about a, a week later in Sikakup, which is the main port where you get your food and petrol. Yep. And the idea was to get these boys pissed up and then they'll just <laughs> tell us where every, <laughs> everywhere is, you know. Because we knew they wouldn't tell us unless they were drunk. So yeah. we, we caught them for dinner one night. And we said, oh, boys, we'll share your dinner. And then we just fed them up on bintangs for about Classic. four hours. Tried and tested uh, method, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get the old truth serum out. Yeah. And you know what? They didn't budge. Didn't they? they didn't budge one bit. Fucking weapons. And they were pretty drunk at the end of it, too. Really? Yeah. No way. <laughs> Wankers. <laughs> Good on them. It was, well, it was a, a different era, I guess. The people out there doing it weren't, weren't seeking photos and Glory and fame, they were hardcore bloody searchers and they weren't, they would, they just weren't coughing up, were they? Exactly. And they'd done the hard yards and I, w- I would have done the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the one thing they did said, you boys are so close to finding what you're looking for, just keep looking. And, 
and that wow. was the inspiration to, to keep going. Yeah. Cryptic. Yeah. <laughs> and what way were they talking about, you reckon? Um, they were talking about Maccas and HTs. Oh, were they? Because we saw them going in between, and they had just been at HTs, which would have been offshore, and then it would have gone onshore, and they were heading to, to Maccas, and we were going the other way. Oh, no. Yeah. So those guys were dialed in. Yeah. I wonder yeah. who those gurus were. Yeah, they were definitely onto it. Wow. And did they have a better boat than you? Uh, there was theirs was sort of the same, but it was a bit bit better set up. Yeah, right. Yeah, classic. Yeah. So uh, you went down around that area, and then what? After a couple of weeks, pulled up stumps and and headed back to port. Um, it was kind of getting to the last week, and we kind of we we jumped out at um a couple of breaks, and yeah, we we kind of sort of losing a bit of hope, and then we were going past. Maccas again, but we were right out on the points, and we yep. saw, we just had a little pair of binoculars, and we saw a couple of masts in the bay. Oh yeah, and we thought, shit, there's a there's a proper boat in there. So we kind of chugged in there, and it ended up being Martin Daly and um, Tom Curran and a few of those boys at Maccas. No way. And by then we were all pretty crook. We, I mean, we weren't eating well, and um, <laughs> yeah, I had some bad sort of skin from not washing properly scurvy and I believe they call that <laughs> amongst the pirate ships anyway we sort of managed to to get enough power out of us to jump in the surf and that was back when Brock Little was there and Damien Harbin it was a rip curl crew wow cool and we we're out in the water and Tom Curran saw how bad my hands were and he invited me on board for some um, calamine lotion and some chocolate and some cold water and it was just yeah it was a bit of a dream luxury yeah wow that's epic so to see him surf and then to sort of hang out with him and for him to give us cold water, we hadn't had cold water in two weeks. And yeah, right. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool time. And so the waves pumping? The waves are pumping, yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. Classic. How many boards did you take each on that trip? Um, back then, that was that was three boards each. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. All glassed in fins, no doubt. All glassed in fins, yep. yep. The old yep. sticks between them and tape wrapped around them when you're traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic. That's pretty epic. So, I was about to ask you what was your most memorable session of that initial uh, run, but I'm guessing it was the macaronis that you just uh, told me about. That was the macaronis, and to watch Tom Curran surfing that way was just something else, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. In his prime. In his prime. Yeah. And did you get some other good sessions uh, in that trip? Um, we jumped out at what what now is rifles, but we kind of didn't know it was rifles back in the day, but we had some good waves there. Because, yeah. um, I mean, that is... As much as it's an amazing wave, I think it really is fickle in a way too, isn't it? Like can be super fast and this, that and the other. For sure. And if if you don't know a spot and you're hitting it on the wrong tide or the wrong swell, it can can just be nothing at all, you know. So yeah, Especially in Indo that changes so much on tides and stuff. Yeah, so we didn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah. But from that trip, we kind of had a couple of things to base ourselves off to go back to. Yeah, classic. So, what, you went back to uh, Port and... Uh, dusted off did you head down to bali after that for a, a couple of weeks or anything like that or was it out of money we're all busted up we got scurvy and lost a leg or two and we're heading home to kiwi land to, to to regather what happened nah bali wasn't really a, a thing back then all we wanted to do was stay up that end so yeah you know, right. we, we didn't go back to bali till after 2000s yeah so the love affair with ben chong alley as you know it today wasn't a thing back then no no that was that was a late <laughs> arrival that one <laughs> classic 
All right, so that was, uh, what year again was that? That was 93. So then what happened? Went back to New Zealand, went back to reality, thought, went right, back to reality. earned some money. Cal and I worked for a year and a half solid, seven days a week up, up in uh, the North Island, uh, repairing the old Parliament building. All right, is that where your jib rocking started? That's where the jib rocking started. Cal said, let's work for two years or a year and a half, save oh, up enough money. That's some serious foresight and dedication for a couple of young fellas. Let's work for a year and a half straight. Oh, definitely. With, with a specific goal in mind, that's pretty epic. Yeah, the, the goal was worth it for sure. We knew yeah. what we had and we knew we wanted to get back there. He was pretty driven and focused, Kel, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He had a, a pretty good head on his shoulders. He has, yeah. yeah. Yep. A round head, rumour, is it? <laughs> or is he's, it a box head? A box head. He's, uh, he's, his nickname is Roundy because uh, the boys claim that uh, he had such a perfectly round head when they were surfing and then he what, wore a helmet and it just emphasised the roundness or something. That's it. <laughs> so he's known, known as Roundy and I thought uh, Bradsy said his name was Boxy. So I've been calling him Boxy for a couple of years, uh, but it turns out his name was Roundy, not Boxy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, anyway, so you went back, you worked for a year and a half. And you got your shit together and you had old Roundy leading the charge and your next assault was a lot more um, planned and, uh, and and had a lot better equipment. Is that right? Um, navigational equipment, no. We just had a, a plastic handheld compass. Oh, yeah. But, cool. Um, <laughs> At least it wouldn't rust if it's plastic, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But we had, we had five surfboards each. There was three of us. Ooh, we boxed up five surfboards each. Camping gear... Uh, cooking gear. What, like tents and swags? Tents. No, nah, just tents and sleeping bags. Um, no swag. No, no, no swags just back Sleeping then. on the ground. Sleeping on the ground. Yep. Kerosene cookers, um, kerosene lights. Yep. And we boxed them up. A friend was in the shipping company and we boxed that up and we also bought two inflatables in New Zealand. Two. Bo- boxed it up, shipped it to Jakarta. And what, what engines did those inflatables have on them? We didn't have engines. That was the um, Jakarta mission. Okay, so yeah. two inflatables, a bunch of camping gear, fifteen surfboards, fifteen surfboards. Shipped it off to Jakarta, and then uh, how long did you wait before you flew up there and met it all? We we shipped that about February. Took two months. Yep. Met it up there in April. Wow, probably Perfect. took us two weeks to get it out of customs. You know, yeah. Indo's like. Yeah, yeah. It's had to grease some hands, did you? Oh, it was day in, day out. No, I'll come back tomorrow. Oh, guy's not in today. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. You know, one oh, of those scenarios. Karet, <laughs> which is Indonesian for rubber time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we finally got it out of customs and then the mission was to go and buy two engines. So you had to go and sit in Indo for two weeks just to get the ball rolling just to get everything sorted yeah travel took so much longer back then didn't it 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 did it was it was always a mission so so when you went there on this trip uh i mean you spent two weeks i mean that's the whole holiday for most people these days that 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 two weeks that you waited just for your gear when you went up there in april were you like okay we're not coming back till october or that was the mission yeah yeah right six month mission at least how much money (laughs) roughly per head did you budget back in then can you remember just roughly? Roughly it was about seven and a half to ten grand. Each? Each. Yeah. 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 yeah cool. And that was that was Which plenty. It's a fair bit of coin. It's a fair yeah. bit of coin. For, but for back then in Indo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's a fair stint, isn't it? Sort yeah. of hanging out there. Okay. So you yeah. uh what you went and got a couple of what, twenty horsepowers or something like that? We got a forty horsepower oh. and an eight. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Yeah. So we got sort of an auxiliary and a main engine. Yeah, right. And and how did you work the two boats? Did you 
did you like put the eight on one and the forty on the other? Were the were the boats the same size, or how did you make it all work? Um, we bought an old six meter navigational um, ex army boat from New Zealand, Sick. Uh, and a little sort of two meter one. So oh, okay, yeah, so it was kind of the main boat, and then we dragged all the gear in the other one. Yeah, cool. That was your trailer. That was a trailer, but in yep. Jakarta we kind of got all our gear together, got the engines. Yep. Um, chartered an old rock truck, you know, the old yellow rock trucks that oh, head yeah. up to Hulu's. Yeah, yeah, classic. Threw all the gear in the back of that, and we jumped in the back of the rock truck, and we had three drivers, and we just said, right, you guys drive from Jakarta to Parang, non-stop. We just want you to keep going. You can stop for food and drink, but just keep going. Yeah, right. Yeah. Epic. So then you got down there, and, uh, and, and tell us about that first voyage out of port. So, yeah, we got to Padang, got to the port, got all our gear onto the ferry, shipped it over to Sikakup, which is the main port, yep. blew the boats up, um, bought cans of fuel, rice, veggies, noodles, as much as we could, yep. loaded on board and went straight to Macca's. Straight to Macca's because you knew where that was. We knew that that was and that was going to be the first two months was Macca's, yeah. Just straight up, we're going to Macca's yeah. for two months. Yeah. And is that what you did? That's what we did. And where did you... Isn't it pretty, like, marshy and stuff there? Or? It's very marshy. So that was that was the first mission. We had to give ourselves enough time to, to get there and enough time to, to search for a camp, yep. get all our gear off and set up camp, you know, and that takes a long time. So yep. um, finding where we wanted a camp was, was a thing in itself. We, we kind of sort of had to search reefs and tides and where we could drag the boats up and... yeah. So we sort of found ourselves wrapped around in the Bay of Maccas, um, yep. yeah, and, and set up camp. Yeah, right. And were you on the beach or were you in the, back in the jungle a little? Or We were kind of, we started on the beach um, and then full moon, full tides, we sort of got <laughs> washed out. Did you? So, well, so I mean, you got a tide in the, into your tent in the middle of the night? Yeah, so did we really? kind of learned that, yeah, the longer we did, we sort of learned what, what the go was, but we sort of made our way into the bush a bit more, yeah. No way, and what, made a little clearing? Did you have a machete or? We had machetes, yep. Yeah, yep. cool. That's yeah. a standard equipment in Indo, isn't it? It yeah. is, it yeah. is, yeah. Classic, wow. And just slept on the ground? Slept on the ground, pitched yep. the tent. Um, yep. When we ran out of water, we sort of caught rainwater off the trees into bottles and just sort of boiled it up. Yeah, right. Um, caught a bit of fish and, yeah, and made our own pita bread and, and, and... Wow. Yeah. It's epic. So you just took heaps of flour and rice. Heaps of and flour and water and rice and yeah and noodles. And how were you catching the water off the trees? Um, just off the leaves into bottles. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yep. right. Just tying bottles onto leaves and... Yep. But, yep. um... Yeah, the, the monkeys were shitting in the in the trees, and, <laughs> and that was going into our water. And yeah, we we got crook quite a, quite a lot. Yeah. And were you on malaria uh, medication all that all that time? Were you prepared to take medication for six months? Or I, I know the answer must be somewhat of a no because you riddled you're riddled with malaria. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Um, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have bothered taking malaria for six months. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So we, it didn't do anything. Well, it just prolongs malaria until you stop taking the drugs. So oh, right. really, we should have just taken drugs. And if we got it, just pumped malarium into us. Okay. Um, but, you know, it kind of held it off while we were on the trip. So that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But, yeah, six months of malarium doesn't do your body any favours. No, no. And uh, and you ended up uh, probably on that trip more so than most. Because you, you there's a few different types of malaria, isn't there? There is, yeah. There's seven strains, I think. Have you got all seven, or? 
Um, no, we we all got the same strain, P Vivex. Right. Um, yeah, Celebral's the one that can attack your brain and kill you, but uh, the one yep. we got, yeah, it's pretty gnarly, but it wasn't wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, leads me to the uh, little topic at the start of the session. That's why I'm drinking beer and you're drinking vodka, because you once told me that um, because of all the malaria you've had in Indo over the years, you just found that that beer never agrees with you since then. Is that right? Yeah, I think larium attacks your lower intestine, and red meat and beer after that just didn't agree with me. So yeah. that's when I went to vodka. Yeah, so you're, you're constantly on the vodka due to your early Indonesian ex- exports, uh, <laughs> exploits. But uh, you also told me you've never shit solid since that trip either, 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, not for a while, yeah. It was, <laughs> we sort of went to Chinese medical doctors, and I mean, Giardia and malaria really attacks you. A yeah. body, but um, all all good now. But yeah, sort of the body was messed up for a while. Yeah, but it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, mate, it sounds worth it to me. So two months in Macca's, no doubt you just scored it absolutely perfect with nobody around. I'm assuming nobody around. I think there was two boats doing charters around the whole of the Mint. Yep. Plus the Indies trader would sort of pop up every now and again. So yep. yeah, I mean, we actually were quite happy to see a boat boat charter coming around the corner yeah right because it gave us someone to talk to gave us someone to surf with yeah and one of the um charters always gave us his, his leftover chickens and chocolate at the end yeah, of the charter sweet. so yeah so they just chuck their their offal over the side <laughs> and pretty much be you and the local snapper fish just just uh snapping up the leftovers as they hit the water exactly so when we saw a charter boat we were hooting not Fuck. not crying no yeah. way that's yeah. epic imagine, yeah. imagine that these days oh. these days you just curse and spit exactly but, yeah um Okay, so two months there, no doubt you just got tubed out of your absolute mind. That would have been amazing. Had some epic sessions. Did uh, anyone get busted up on the reef at all? You know what? We were pretty lucky. Um, we had a different guy coming every month, a friend from home. So there was three of us that sort of did the six months. Yep. And we had a different guy every month. So he sort of bought us uh, more medical supplies. Yep. Um, no one did any major injuries. Scrapes. A few, few scrapes, a few stitches here and there. Um, the boards sort of held up well until the last month, and then they all sort of crumbled. So when you um, when you did uh, the the stitching on each other, was there any form of um, anaesthetic, or was it just uh, a bit of bloody Iraq attack and here we go? A bit of Iraq attack and here we go. Yeah, yeah. Clean the area and just do as good a job as you can. Did you stitch Cal up or? Um, no, nah. he stitched you up. He 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 was ma- the main stitcher, yeah. and Kel was just running the show, wasn't he? He was. He was wow. a good organizer, old Kel. He's such a quiet dude too, you know. Like the do- I know him well, and to our listeners out there, obviously they don't know him, but he's just one of those guys that's just a walk quietly, carry a big stick sort of dude, isn't he? You'd never guess it. He's a very quiet guy. He's very humble. But uh, man, he's he really sounds like he was just a pivotal force in making all this happen, and. And I've seen him, uh, obviously he's calculated on land and focused, but man, I've seen him in the water and Jesus Christ, he charges, man. He surfs good and, he, and, he, and he's got no fear. I've seen him take off on big, big waves at local bombies here and he's a bloody good surfer too. So yeah, it's pretty epic. And obviously, you know, you, yourself, you, you surf uh, pretty well as well. I know you won't agree to that because you're humble, but you do and, you know, charge as well. So sounds like Thanks, it was mate. a good good match, you know, and uh, yeah, Kel really sounds like a 
Fuck, he was like a leading light, man. He sounds like a bit of a hero, really. He was a good man to have on the trip. I mean, he, he was the main organiser, you know, of the maps for the start. Yep. Yeah. He, he, he's, he was a good man. He's a good waterman. Yep. And, um, yeah, he was a good bushman, too. Yeah, right. a good man to have on the trip. Oh, that's epic. So, did you just do, um, like, Maccas for two months and then leave, or did you, surely you did some exploring? We, we did Maccas for two months, and then we thought, right, time to go surf a different wave. So, we um, went, by then we'd sort of done our homework, we knew where HTs was, so... Okay. Um, we went to HTs. Yeah, because that's what, around the back of the same sort of island, or...? Uh, the next island, yep. but it's it's not too far. Yeah, yep. sort of Macca's is halfway up one island, and and HTs is the start of the next island. Okay, so you found that just by cruising around on days. Yeah, we sort of did a bit of hunting and, and found that um, Lance's left was around the corner, so it was kind of a good spot to sort of hang for another two months. So I so see you went and hung there for two months. Two months, yeah. And where did you camp on the Lance's left side or the HT side? The HT side, right on the beach, right in front of the waves. Is that so right? From there, we didn't even need the boats. And was there locals there? There was locals there, yeah. And what did, what did they think of you when you rolled up and camped on the beach? Um, yeah, the local kids kind of, yeah, they were they were pretty fun. Um, yeah. They'd sort of walk past the machetes and, and a couple of times they'd, they'd flatten our inflatables because they didn't know what they were and they'd what? sort of get the old machete and touch the old inflatable to see what it was. Oh, no. And just pierce one of the, the size <laughs> oh, of the inflatables. So, oh, no way. Yeah, in the end we kind of had to hide the inflatables with um, with palm palms and stuff so Is they couldn't right? see them, yeah. No way. And obviously you had plenty of inflatable patches, I'm well, assuming. Well, yeah, we had to get them in the end, yeah. But you didn't yep. have them at the start? Nah, nah. So what, you put in the order for one of the boys from next time around, bring some patches, that, that, so these guys keep prodding out. That was the beauty of having a guy every month coming over, because wow. we always had orders, yeah. That's epic. Yeah. And did they have clothes? The, the locals? Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously, obviously you guys didn't, because I know <laughs> what you're like, and I'm sure you guys are just running naked for months, but uh, I was wondering if they had... They have the palm leaf over the thing, or, or what they have? Um, nah, back back then they had clo clothes, but in not the 93 trip, you know, some of the islands would pull up to. Um, the traditional Mentawians would come out in their, yeah, their flax and just full of tattoos, their, their tribal tattoos, and just... I mean, Macau was kind of the one that had the blonde hair. Oh, yeah. And the blonde hair on his arms, and the endos would just stare at his arms. I'd never seen blonde hair on a guy before, like you know? Pretty much thinking he was a spirit devil. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was God, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's epic. So, camped out. So, what did you do? Just slept right on the beach at HTs for, what, two months? Slept at HTs for two months, and, you know, when it was onshore at HTs, we'd jump in the boat and, and fang round to Lance's left. So, those two waves sort of kept us going for the next two months. Yeah, right. That's epic. So, you just did those two uh, for t another two months. Just did, did anyone else rock up at HTs? Was that more or less known than Maccas? More or less no one. One boat would turn up, you know, every now and again, but that was about it. We actually would pull our boats up right up into the um, the jungle, but on the full moon tides, the tide would come right in. Yep. And one night I went up, got up about 2 a.m. to go to the toilet. One of our inflatables had gone. Really? The full moon tides had just washed it off the rope, off the tree, and, and, and ripped it down the beach. And so, so what happened? I managed to swim out and get it. Yeah. And um, paddle it in. But, yeah, if we lost one of those boats, we were stuffed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Classic. So from that trip, you know, we kind of knew full moons, we had to drag the boats even further up into the jungle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just bring it down a bit there, mate. That's all good. Um, you're keeping it nice and close, but it seems like 
microphone just needs to come down a little bit. Keep it too close. Yeah, too close for comfort. <laughs> so classic. So you lost the boat in the middle of the night, swam out and got it. No worries. Yeah. Um, how were the locals at HT, apart from stabbing your Zodiac <clears throat> to see if it would stab back, were you buying fish off them or how did it, did they even want money or? Um, <clears throat> yeah, we'd sort of barter, you know, we'd, we'd barter onions and potatoes and things like that to get fish and crab off them every now and again. Right. So were they interested in money at all? Well, when we parked up at eBay, um, I, I think I had, maybe that was my first bout of malaria and the boys went off to what's now rags for one day and I just stayed in, in, in the tent Yep. Crook as a dog, and I was a bit delirious. That's the way. I, lo- I like I like how you guys operate. Yeah, you're dying of malaria. You stay in the tent. We're just going to go down the next island for a few waves. Hopefully, you'll pull through when we get back. Is that pretty <laughs> much the, is that the method? That was the method, mate. <laughs> just leaving behind. We're going Smoke. surfing, yeah. Classic. But we, we'd go to an island and try and find a village, and that's where we thought was our safe part to sort of park up, pitch the tent with them, and yep. that, was, that was base camp. But this village... Um, yeah, I remember the guy coming into the tent and just going through all our gear. Yeah. And I was that delirious, so I just sort of let him go about his way. Is and that when you're at HT's? When we're at eBay. Oh, eBay, sorry, yeah. And the boys came home and, and got into their bags, and this guy had stolen everything. Back then, you travel with traveller's checks. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Stole all our traveller's checks. He wouldn't know what to do with them. And what no. would he do with them out there? He just saw US dollar signs. Yeah, he just thought he was killed it. He thought it was money. Yeah, right. Stole our passport, stole Did all he? our photos. And you're just laying there in a delirium, watching just this going, guy raid your tent. Just go and go for it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a machete? <laughs> Didn't need one. One. Nah, you nah, he me. didn't need one with me no in way. my state. That's epic. And then what did the boys say? What are you doing, mate? Have <laughs> you let him steal all that stuff? Or we what? um we actually didn't we didn't find out to would move camp to another island. All right, to would move to HT. Because I suppose you're not exactly checking your passport on a daily basis no, when you're no. sleeping on the beach in the Mentawis for two no, months. Eh? Definitely not, not much need for it out there. So I wonder what he did with them. You think he hung him up on his wall in his hut as it's like a family heirloom now that gets passed down generation to generation. Little picture of Brad Smith and Kelly McDonald <laughs> passport and these were the two spirit devils that came and we got these magical bits of paper off them and <laughs> they're framed on the wall or I think what he, the hell would he have done? Won lotto. <laughs> but he just got nothing for him, mate. Nothing. He would have got nothing. So we're at HT's. He would have been better off stealing your rice, wouldn't he? He would have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's we're at HT's and went, hang on a minute. We haven't got traveller's checks, we haven't got passports, we haven't got anything. Oh, shit, that's classic. And we kind of based it back to, it must have been our last camp. So we started doing trips back to that village. And every time we went back, he'd hear our boat coming. Yeah. And he'd grab his whatever he had and he'd, he'd run off into the jungle. Right. And the next day we'd come back, he'd hear us and take off. The whole village would sort of take off into the bush. The whole so village would. The third day. Well, so the whole village thought that. They'd scored. The whole village thought they would won lotto, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're like, shit, we've got to get out of here because we've just got like thousands of dollars from this guy. Yeah. Yeah, when it was just blank checks. Yeah. With nothing on them. So the third day we we went into land and we wrote in the sand. There was one guy that could speak Bahasa Indo. How was your Bahasa at this stage? It was not too bad, but no one spoke Bahasa Indo. In Mentawi. They all spoke Mentawi. So we kind of had to learn that lingo as well. But we wrote in Bahasa Okay, we're coming back tomorrow. If um, you haven't got our gear, we're going to trash your huts, 
we're going to steal all your pots Fuck and pans. And <laughs> we wrote this in the sand. In the sand, you yep. know, as best as we could in Indo. Yeah. And we're going to take all your chickens. We're going to steal everything. We're going to steal your chickens. See, that's so much better than stealing passports. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That's so, unreal. So the next day we came in and we dropped my bro off at the point. Yeah. And he ran in. Through the jungle in case they could uh, hear Through the boat. back roads. Through the back so roads. So you just planned an assault on them. We planned an assault and <sighs> we took the boat in. Same thing. We got to the camp. No one there. And they were running. And it was like, okay. So we started trashing the huts. We grabbed all the pots and pans. We started throwing them in bags and putting them in the boat. No way. We were chasing the chickens around. They were squealing and carrying <laughs> on. We couldn't catch them, but we were making a lot of noise. Fuck that way. And then next minute... The daughter of the guy that stole all the gear came running out with his bag and it had all our gear in it. No way. So it took that, that raucous to get our oh, gear back. But that was crazy kind of, I reckon, story, man. five days, six days of going back to this village. See, I've known you all this time. I never knew that story. That's such a fucking sick story. Yeah. So wow. That's what surfing in the Mets was like in 95, <laughs> folks. So, yeah, there you go. If you ever get in trouble in Indo but, uh, these days, maybe just... Threaten them with loss of pots and pans and chickens, and chickens until you get your way. You get your way, yeah. Wow, so you got your passports back. Traveler's checks as well? Traveler's checks, got everything back. Photos, everything. Yeah, yeah right. And yeah. did you did you give them any money or anything like that? Or was it just too much bad blood? You were just like, oh, fuck you guys. Too much were bad out. blood, mate. We grabbed the gear and never returned. And yeah. you never came back? No. Nah, and nah. where did you go from there? Was that the end of the trip? Was that, what, four months in by this stage? That was stage? four months in. We did another month at HT's. And then the last month we had to go back to Maccas. Yeah, right. Last month was at Maccas. Yeah. Yep, yep. And 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 why did you go back there? Just for safe? Did, just was comforting. You knew it was pumping. It was all it good. It was just the best wave ever. Was yeah, it? Maccas yep. is just a perfect wave. And no doubt, in those two months, you just had perfect six to eight foot HTs. You know, or how did you go? Yeah, HTs. I remember seeing um, Kelly Slater there just making uh, it look by like. By the a way, let's not call it HTs because it should be called Lance's Rights. Is that right? That's and my that's dad's right. name is Lance, and so is my son. So I would rather call it Lance's Rights. Well, and that's, apparently, that's, that's, that's that a guy who found it. Yeah, yeah. Because that was like an afterthought by some Americans to call it HTs. But apparently, the dude who found Lance's left found Lance's right, and he was some fucking. Aussie guru, probably that fucking dude that was pissed in in port that never gave you up his secrets. That was probably Lance, man. Probably, probably, probably was. was. And uh, he was he was a legend. So Lance's rights. And yep. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how we felt back in the day. But everyone just keeps saying HTs and Maccas. Now I just say that myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back in the day, we we named Maccas um, slingshots. Did you? Because there was two trees, kind of sort of nearly dead on an angle like a slingshot you know so yeah, right. Maccas wasn't called Maccas back then so you called it slingshots there yeah. you go you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen on Barrel Surf Podcast Maccas macaronis is not macaronis it's fucking slingshots if you've got any uh, disputes you can come on down to my shed and me and Bradsy will fucking tell you otherwise <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Lance did you know that Lance's rights was called that when you were there no no, no we didn't no. Did, did you give that a name at all Remember what we called Pumping that? fucking rights. Pumping fucking rights. <laughs> eBay we called Duabatu because it had the two rocks at the end of it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, we just made up all our, all our own names and we kind of didn't not... I mean, macaroni sounded a bit gay back in the day when we heard that, but... Yeah, you would have been choking, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, ended up spending the last month at Macca's and, and by October, late October, that's when the wind started changing and yep. kind of felt it was time to leave. Wow. What an experience. And by then had... All three of the, the regulars, you, Kel, and what's the other dude's name? My bro. Oh, your brother. Abbo, yeah. What's his name? Abbo. Abbo? 
Why has he got darker skin than you, he's, obviously? Yeah, he's pretty black, yeah. That's pretty funny that you yeah. called him Abbo and not Maori since you're from New Zealand and Abbo being short for Aboriginal. Yeah, he did a trip to Oz years ago and everyone thought he was an Abbo, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And and you've got a tiny bit of Maori in you. You only just found out recently. I yeah. have, yeah. 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 So that leans to you being quite tanned. That and the fact you're into that... Um, uh, don't you do that asshole sunning <laughs> thing where you sun your freckle for health reasons? A bit well, of that. Apparently, from, from your stories, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, right. So your brother was there as a staple as well. Yeah. So by that stage, had all three of you just had like incredible bouts at turns at being sick through that? Had you all had malaria and, 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 and you know, when you're in, even when you go to Bali these days, you know, or someone who hasn't been to Bali and you stay in a hotel, they get some crook messed up sickness that can't be explained you know let alone camping out there for four months um had you all had turns at being pretty crook not really i mean it's pretty amazing to live in the jungle for six months and live the way we were and how healthy we stayed really one of the, one of those guys might have been lance came on land one day and he said you guys have been here for four months how yeah. come you look so good you know he couldn't believe that we weren't half dead wow so we were pretty lucky but in the last month, I reckon that's when all the boards started snapping, the leggies started snapping, and yeah, there was a few injuries. I think the body was just sort of wearing Starting down. After. Wear down. Yeah. I mean, you were in your prime, what, like 25 or something? 23, like. 25, yeah, yeah. Just peak physical condition. Yeah. I mean, you're still in pretty good nick now, but back then, you and Kel, and Kel is as well. Kel's still a pretty fit guy and, um, you know, looks pretty strong and, and well balanced on his feet. Uh, I imagine he must have been a bit of a specimen back in the day too. At that yeah, time. he was a bit of a weapon for sure. Yeah, yeah, yep. old yep. roundy. Yeah, yeah, classic. So then, uh, what happened? It must have been a um, must have been a, a pretty interesting feeling, packing up your tents for the last time and looking at your warhorse of a zodiac that no doubt had patches all over it, and I'm assuming tents had holes in it. And did you just leave stuff behind, or what did you do? Oh, yeah, everything wasn't worth packing up. It was wrecked. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we sort of took it back to the mainland and, 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 and ditched it. Um, we sold one of our boats to, to one of the yacht charters. We sort of came friends with one of the guys, and he bought one of our small boats. Oh, yeah. And we shipped the other boat back to back to uh, WA. The bigger one? Bigger one, yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. Where did you ship it to in WA? Um, we bought it back to Yells, actually. Did you? Yeah. And... and you got rid of the smaller one and that were, did you think you were going to go back and do it the next year or was it such a huge crazy adventure you knew that it was something that you're just not going to do all the time well yeah we really did it well and we knew we wanted to go back but you know coming to wa i think the next year was up north was what we wanted to experience next okay nalu and the bluff and wow like just that. had a taste for adventure didn't you yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd seen videos of that place, so that was sort of the next place we wanted to hit. Wow. So that's amazing because it'd be so easy to just, now that with that knowledge that you had, to just go, well, why would I go and do a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know about when I could go back and potentially do it even better and score it all again? But you decided up north. Yeah, we we did one year up north, but then the itch was to go back to Indo after that. So when sure. you came back to WA, had you moved to WA by then, or um, we'd we'd shipped gear to Perth, yep, and we stayed in a Northbridge um, youth hostel for about the first four days. Northbridge, to those people who don't listening, is like the absolute number one nightclub, red club 
uh, red light district of the city of Perth. So interesting place to come from after the Mentawi's island solitude straight into the to the nightclub strip of the it, city. It was weird. It was weird. <laughs> we were still in Indo Jeez, gear. you guys must have been towy. Oh, we hadn't we hadn't socialised for six months apart from the four of us <laughs> sitting around a table with all nationalities and. We couldn't really hold a conversation that well, to tell you the truth, because yeah, we were stuck in jungle six-month tubed, out of, your tubed mind. out of our mind world. So wow. we got drunk. We were grunting at each other, pretty much. <laughs> we got drunk, and just all we could do was laugh, really. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'd be laughing, too, if I'd have just done that. Holy crap. Holding conversation. You would have just felt like you were, without sounding rude, you just would have felt like you're so superior to everyone there, just going, these guys have got no idea what we've just done, you know? like I know I feel better than the average punter when i'm down the local restaurant after a day's good surf at the local break i feel like uh you guys don't know what i've been doing it's better than what probably you've been doing so that feeling just must have been magnified a thousand times sitting in those bloody pubs there crazy it was definitely entering a new world for sure unbelievable yeah. Yeah. so when did you decide to move to yelling up after that um there was no intention to stay in perth no it was just i already had a car organized to buy in perth and old holden um yeah through a guy that we'd sort of met in the Mentawais. Yep. And, yeah, as soon as I bought that, we just drove straight down. Yeah, right. Stayed in the car park and yelling up, and then got a caravan at, at, at Herbie's um, Dunsborough Lakes Caravan Dunsborough Park. Dunsborough Lakes, yeah, because he'd obviously done the reconnaissance mission a, a couple of years earlier and knew that's where you wanted to end up. Yep. So you didn't even go back to NZ after Indo. You went straight to WA. Then he yelled. to WA, yeah. And then what, just started uh, looking for jeep rock and work and, and stuff like that. And started get, looking get for a house and then, yep. yeah. And then Cal picked up his first job with Kev Cabana. He was um, designing houses back then and got us our first job with Keith Russell, which yeah. was a local builder. Yep, yep. Classic. And did an all right job and, and got more work from there. Wow, unbelievable. So then, uh, okay, well, so then you went up north next season, next winter? Went up north, yep. Yep. What did you do up there? Just, uh, it would have been, would have seemed like uh, the desert up there would have seemed like a five star hotel, I would imagine. Uh, having having a supply store a mere two hours bumpy gravel dr- track away <laughs> would have felt like heaven, wouldn't it? It was. It seemed too easy at the time, but yeah. yeah. Just a real Aussie red earth, desert, good waves, epic yep. trip. And how long do you spend up there, roughly? We spent a month up there. Yep. And then we went up to Broome and, and then went, um, so I went to Exmouth and, and stayed out there for a bit. Yeah, And classic. then went to Broome and did a week up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, classic. And then what, just drove down and and then settled into Yales for the summer or? Settled into Yales, got work and, and it just sort of snowballed from there. Yeah, right. Okay. So was there ever any talks of doing another crazy ass Mentawi's mission or was it did, did it just what happened did someone get married or have a kid or, or what happened um Indo was always there I, I guess we had good waves in 93 in Nias yep. and that's when I just wanted to go back there yep so sort of started going back there again and uh and there was no talk amongst the original pack of you and your brother and Kel of let's gear up and and do another crazy bloody i mean you must have seen there was more islands on that map and figured we could do more or was was it ever on the cut i mean it must have been talked about the funny thing adds you to beat that trip I, I don't think you could ever beat that trip so i was always a bit scared to go back yeah. and it wouldn't be the same you know yeah right so i kind of held off for quite a while because you could never beat that trip yeah okay yeah but i guess yeah no that's a fair point i, I would have been looking at it going well Maybe the aim's not to beat it, but just 
to equal it or enjoy it the same again. But obviously, you just had absolutely had your fill to such a, uh, a a satisfying extent that you just didn't feel the need to put in all that crazy effort again when you could just maybe go for a quick trip to Nias. Well, quick trip still would have been a, a month back then and couple and months, score some yeah. ways. Yeah, a couple and, of months. And see yeah. G Land and deserts and and and, and Simbawa, the big, really the big name to joints. Check out the others now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Because you hadn't done them. No, hadn't done them. Shit, hadn't you just went straight into. Hadn't even been to Bali. No, you just went straight in the deep end, didn't you? Straight into the deep Mate, end. Yeah, that is. I applaud you for that. That is fucking serious balls and surf adventure, man. Like, Thanks, mate. That's fucking unreal to just bypass Bali and all these known paths and just go straight into Zodiac machete-wielding fucking <laughs> Mentawi passport-stealing fucking islands. That's amazing. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it seemed to do it the other way around. It sure did. That was the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. So, okay, so then you just, uh, what, started doing a couple Nias runs and a couple G-Land runs and starting to tick off all the big names in Indo over, what, little m- one, two-month, Stints. Yeah, I think deserts and Nias became my hit spots. They yeah. were just left and a right. Were just doing it for me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and I did have that written down in my notes um, because I know, uh, you know, in the, t- I mean, I've known you for geez twenty years, but you know, I've known you really, really well in for the last ten to fifteen, more so. And I know that you, you had a very, um, I wouldn't say rigid, but a, a firm plan each year to uh, work a lot. Um, save up your money, do your two months using Bali as your base, um, where you became um, enthralled with Ben Chong Alley. That's it's just a joke, ladies and gentlemen. He, he doesn't <laughs> like Ben Chong's. It's just a little <laughs> joke he, he's running. He's uh, quite the ladies' man, uh, to qu- quite the contrary. But um, yeah, uh, you know, he loved a, a party in, in Bali when there was no surf and you used that as your base to just basically fly to Nias and, and fly to Desert Point when the swell was up. You'd do your runs and then you'd come back to Bali and grovel around on the beach breaks and uh, and live it up by the by the um, swimming pool and sun your rig and tune the women and have some vodkas and hit the dance floor and all that sort of stuff. And that was sort of your staple for a, a fair while after that, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That that six month was just pure surf, surf, surf. And um, it was kind of nice to do a couple of trips where you'd go on a surf mission and when it went flat, you'd fly back to Bali and have a bit of fun. Yep. Eat some good food, yep. swim, and and then wait for the next swell and take off again. Awesome, yeah, yep. and um, yeah, as a, as I you know, I was a bit slow on the uptake, uh, and uh, later down the track, I had the good fortune of joining you a couple of times in Nias there, did, and you did, yeah, we had some good waves together and a bit of fun, definitely, yeah, so they were good times, um, and uh, mates, what was I going to say about that? Oh yeah, Mexico. Where did I, I know? I always remember that one of the very first times I met you, seeing a, a photo of uh, Puerto Escondido, Puerto and Escondido. knew that you did a couple of runs there. You and Kel once again was he the leading light there? Is that what happened after up north? I'm guessing. Kel, yeah, Kel was there in, in the early days as well, and I, I'd seen some pictures of him. So he he went there before you. He went but there Jesus before me. Jesus Christ! As well. Who is this guy? He, he's, he's the, the man. biggest dark horse ever. He is. I work with him all the time. He's just such a guru. He actually made one of the videos. You know how they have the Porto videos with all the biggest barrels of the year. He actually really? made one of those. Yeah. No way. So such I saw some footage of him, and it's just like that's one place I've got to go as well. So was that? You guys came back here. You were living together in WA. You did a run up north. And then what? He just slipped off to Mexico without you knowing? Or how did it work? The year after 
after up north, that's when Cal slipped off to Mexico. Did he? Yeah. And wh- wh- why weren't you there? What happened? Um, I think I was just working that year. Yeah. Yep. Stayed, yeah. stayed working. I think I might have done two weeks in India, a really short trip. Yep. And then Cal came back just swearing about Puerto Escondido and Pasquales, and yeah, that was going to be the next mission. Wow. And that's just, you know, I, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast is probably a surfer uh so they all know what Puerto Escondido is and it's just such a huge I've been there and and man it is a formidably huge heavy tubing beach break that's mostly closeouts with the odd sick makeable one and it's insane it's so heavy so um yeah to be focused on chasing that you guys were, were pretty serious surfers at the time you know yeah, well, they reckon that's one of the deepest trenches in the world out the front of Porto's there. And that's why it wedges in like it does. And you don't see it coming, do you, until the last minute? Yeah. And it just jacks up. Mate, I surfed at about eight foot and got flogged. Uh, and I knew that when that joint was eight to ten foot, like it was that day, that there was certain point breaks around that were four foot and tubing <laughs> for 500 meters. And I went, you guys can get stuffed. I'm out of here. Because <laughs> I'd been surfing them all week, so I just went back to them. But... Uh, as I've rubbed salt in the wound to you many times, you didn't even know about those point breaks, did you, mate? You scored those point breaks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you, you had no idea. What, you were just there purely for Porto Escondido? Purely for Portos. Purely yep. for the big barrels. Yeah. And did you, I mean, being uh, as realistic as you can without obviously, you know, overhyping it or trying to be humble and underhype it, I mean, how, how big did you surf it? Um, well, you know what Porto's is like. You can sort of start where it's four foot on those bigger days, and you can paddle down to where it's ten foot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd yeah, I'd say eight to twelve foot. I mean, I wasn't catching those waves, but I was out there, and yeah, yeah. you would have got a few eight to ten footers. I got a few thought. eight footers for sure. Yeah, which is pretty heavy, but you weren't like. You know, you see these days, guys, 15, 20 feet, you, you guys never paddled out on a day nah, like that? No, I never paddled out in those days, no yeah, way. Probably no one did, nah, I'm guessing. That's, that's when you go to La Punta and those points, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can just remember, as you'd know, when you're out the back and a wave breaks, the spit that flies back at you is just incredible, yeah. isn't it? You've never seen anything like that before. Such a powerful wave. I remember on like a four-footer, just getting so smoked, and I remember being underwater thinking, this is a four-footer. I'm getting <laughs> my arms torn from my limbs and i just remember thinking i don't want anything to do with this joint i'm out of here and i just spent all my time in mexico i went there for two month long stints and i just spent them all at this uh secret river mouth that was just like 500 meters long six people out tubing for 10 seconds at a time and i'm like epic yeah and that was still heavy still smokier but geez it was nothing like porto yeah so you did a couple of did you do two trips there or just one uh, i did one trip there yeah yep yep and what, a month, two months? A month. Yeah. I had a friend and he lived in Huntington, so I sort of hung out with him a little bit too. But yeah, that was a pretty special trip, that one. Yeah, unreal. And then uh, then after that, that was uh, back to, you, you probably started to fall into the more of a regular routine of living in WA and just doing your Indo trips after that. Your, your, your worldly oats were sowed they to were, some extent. They were. Th- yeah. Three-hour trip, you know, from here to Bali. Yeah. You can't go wrong, can you? Yeah. So then you started getting into that. And I'm guessing not long after that somewhere, the leading uh, light of the adventure, Kel, uh, was obviously too appealing to the opposite sex and, and someone locked him down by the name of Hannah. 
Yeah, yep. yep. He got um he got married and uh, next minute he was having kids and that kind of slowed him up a bit. Yeah, so sure does. His and no trips sort of slowed down from there, yeah. Yep, and you just became the um, Semenyak playboy from all reports. I just kept going to Indo. <laughs> and and <laughs> Nias was just, yeah, it's funny because Nias got really busy through the 90s yep. to about 2000 and, and it just got out of control. Yeah. Um, so I started going other places and then I thought I'd go back in 2003 and it was quiet again. So it yeah, went right. through a quiet stage again. Sort of, yeah, faded off the, the map a bit, Faded off it? the map. And, and um, then the earthquake came and sort of made it popular again it, when it, it got did. shallower and changed, changed the way it breaks. Um, it's funny, we just uh, released a episode that uh, T-Bone, one of our other hosts on Barrel Surf Podcast, uh, did with Thornton Philander, one of the original... Nias gurus and he was you know talking about the differences uh, of the before and after earthquake and all that stuff it's quite interesting he was one of the originals yeah wasn't he? he was a guru yeah for sure and were you on that trip when we we met him in the teller uh in the bunyaks no you weren't actually oh, the year after i was in the bunyaks with, with you we met him in the in oh did you go back to the bunyaks yeah yep. yeah and it was kind of cool to sort of have a chat to him he mentioned that in the podcast uh with t-bone that yeah he now hunts the bunyaks yeah. extensively yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually surprised he didn't mention about Treasure Island. He was saying how Treasure Island is such a great wave and that. And I've actually seen footage and heard stories that that was majorly affected by the earthquake as well. And that before the earthquake, it was just unbelievable. Even better. Yeah. Another and section it, on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like way longer, held bigger, and was just like pretty much the best right hander in Indo. But yeah. Mate, you can, uh, we can tell you all that we want about it now because it's changed. It has. So, it maxes that, out at like four or five foot. That's where I saw him. So, yeah, yeah, he obviously loves that wave. Yeah. That's classic. All right. Well, mate, we've covered a fair bit there. Uh, that's some uh, bloody awesome Indo stories, man. Um, Thanks, so, tell me about more recently. You know, what's your, what's your gig these days? Just on a, a quick lowdown. I know it, but let's just, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, give us a paint a picture of, of what you're up to these days. Um, these days, well, I haven't, can't go to Indo this year because of the virus. Um, been hitting a couple of sort of, of your favorite spots. Yeah. We've been so teaming up for the Dawny, haven't we? Quite yeah, a lot. Getting and, um, a few tubes at a, an unnamed local slab of a reef. Really enjoying that spot. And yeah. Enjoyed you seeing you get a good barrel yesterday. And That's uh, right, listeners. You heard it here, heard it here today. Brad, <laughs> I did get a barrel in front of Bradsy, so I'm pretty happy about that yeah, yesterday. It was good timing that I was on the <laughs> channel, wasn't it? I was pretty stoked it was you and not someone else. Yeah. That was one of the waves of the day from my, my point. Yeah, for it was sure. a nice little wave. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, just, just working a lot. We're pretty busy. Um, still keen to get back to Indo. Yep. Still hitting, uh, yelling up main break, which is our local down the road. On the right swells. Yeah. On the right swell uh, in winter when it gets big, we, we get some pretty epic sessions out there and yeah, we actually had a pretty epic one out there a couple of weeks ago. We did. That, uh, you decided to go to sleep midway through the session, which we did mention in one of our previous podcasts is tell us quickly about what happened there, Bradsy. Yeah, just um, got held up. It was quite a strong offshore, got held up at the top. It was quite a nice six to eight foot It was a good day, well. Yeah, it was a bloody great day. Waves were pumping. There was about eight or nine local legends, legends in our own lunchbox. Uh, just local guys. We're all friends. We all, you know, all, uh, well, actually most of them were good surfers. I, I, I was just sort of at the bottom of the rung, but... Uh, oh, you're humble, you know, mate. You're <laughs> humble. And we're all... Everyone knew what they were doing was, was my point that I was trying to make there. It wasn't like there was people that didn't know what they were doing. And yeah, so uh, a good a good sort of solid seven, eight foot wave came your way. It was your turn. We all, 
yelled at you to go. What happened next? Yeah, I I just got caught up at the top, and I remember just slapping my face that hard. I kind of I, I reckon I was out for a couple of seconds. So you caught, got caught up the top in the wind, and then got driven down, driven down with the lip onto the surface of the water. The surface, and then I just slapped the side of my face so hard it was felt like concrete. And yep. yeah, I reckon I was out for a couple of seconds. Came to a mate had paddled over because he was sort of right near me. And yep. made sure I was all right. Then we copped about three on the head. Yeah, they were solid waves. I was ducking under them ones. And we were worried about, yeah, we could see something was wrong. But you were sitting on your board. So I thought you were winded, actually. And we're like, oh, he's winded. And, and then there was some, like, three solid eight-footers. And we're like, shit, why is he not paddling? What's he doing? <laughs> he's just sitting there. So then what happened? Um, yeah, those, those eight-footers didn't worry me because what had just happened was pretty heavy. And you didn't really know so, where you were anyway, yeah, did you? Yeah, so it was kind of, I didn't, wasn't too phased about it, but yeah. I so mean, you got knocked out uh, temporarily and, and what came up and, and actually didn't know what was going on? Kind of didn't know what was going on. And then, then when I did, it kind of didn't worry me because I felt so much better than how I had a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> um, and then a mate was there trying to help me. He snapped his leg rope. Um, and then you caught the fourth wave in and, and made sure we were right. So, yeah. yeah, I was pretty stoked about that. Yeah, well, I rode the wave in and got to my feet and saw the guy that was supposed to be helping you about 150 metres away from you with no board just swimming around in the white water. I'm like, what's he doing over there? And I saw you way down on the inside and, yeah, rode my wave to you and you had actually saved his board from getting lost at sea because, uh, as we all know, but not everyone else does, that when you snap your leggy at this break and the swell's big, it actually... It, it takes your board all the way to the inside, down the end of the reef, and then it gets sucked into that rip and just heads out into deep water and it does. and out into nowhere. And, and a lot of people lose their boards on those days. They just don't get them back. For sure. So, uh, yeah, he tried to provide you assistance. In the end, um, yeah, you saved his board. Uh, it was a good feeling, <laughs> though, to know a couple of, you know, a couple of the boys were right on me. You know, it's a good feeling yeah. to know that someone's there looking out for you, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. it's, you know, at your local. And that's, and that's what we do, don't we? Yeah, that's yeah. it. No, I went in, seen you on the reef. I was, I was pretty pumped up with excitement. I think I was yelling and carrying on and applauding uh, courts for trying to save you. And you were a bit dazed and confused and made your way in the lagoon. And yeah, I, I headed back out for a few more. You it's, gave uh, us a few thumbs up and yeah. you were back out there. I was pretty pumped. It actually took me like 15 minutes to get off the reef. It, yeah, it's you were like, saying, yeah. Yeah, the swell just, it's like the ocean just got angry all of a sudden. The vibe changed from everyone high-fiving each other to everyone sort of quietly shitting themselves. And the <laughs> swell just jacked it up a bit. And for a bit there, yeah, didn't everyone it? got washed in. There was only one bloke left when I got out. It was only Taco sitting out Is the back. Right? Yeah, everyone got smoked by sets and wow. really reared up. But um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And um, okay, well, mate, we've been going for a while, but um, just quickly, do you watch much surf media these days? Like, you know, just your clips on Facebook and stuff like that, or do you follow anything at all? I mean, no one really buys magazines anymore. It's all pretty free clips, but do you follow it a little bit, Instagram, anything like that? or? Um, not a hell of a lot, no. No, not no. really? So I you're mean, pretty I watch detached. it on Foxtel, you know, when the comps are on, but yep. that's, that's about it, really. So, so if the CTs are on and the timing's right, you'll... You'll um, sit down at the end of the day and, and, and watch that? For sure, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, like you say, the magazines, you don't really buy mags these days. No, anymore, you do. don't buy movies. No, uh, no. I actually just bought Laura Enever's movie off iTunes just for, uh, I don't know, it just felt like haven't bought one in a long time and yep. wanted to wanted to see what it was about. You know, a chick charging slabs and all that. It was pretty interesting. But um, I'll, I'll make, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give that. I was going to give it a review if we were going to do a more standard podcast but since it was more of a one-on-one interview I'll, I'll, i won't go there today yep but um 
All right. And then, mate, just uh, quickly, can you give us... Uh, oh, there's a mosquito getting on me. He obviously went and bit you and just went, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got a thousand types of mosquito <laughs> fucking shit. He's I'm got gonna, nothing left for yeah, us. He's got nothing for <laughs> us. Uh, mates, uh, five favourite surfers uh, without harping on too much. Um, no, it's a bit of a Johnny on the spot. But, um, you know, most people, when they give you five su- favourite surfers, there's always three of them are pretty much the same, you know. Um, you know, being the Kellys and, and the whatnot because they're so good. But you can say anyone you want. Just give us a quick five and, and why. Um, well, I'm thinking two off the bat right now from two weeks ago would be Taco and Damon Eastair. They just love watching them, them out at Yells. Yeah, classic. couple of local guys. Taco grew up over east on the northern beaches of Sydney and Damon Eastair is an absolute local hell man who was born and bred in Margaret River. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Taco moved over about twenty odd years ago as well, and they both just, mate, they surf small waves good. They surf big waves good. They're they're both absolute big wave affacondos. Actually, I mean they're insane. They are so, for so sure. Yeah, so, so you like love watching them surf out at Yales, I guess, when it's big because you see them in the flesh. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they're just an inspiration the way they surf it, and they surf so damn good. And two of the most humblest, coolest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, and to go with the big names, I watched Oki today and just thought, wow, I really miss watching that guy surf. Yeah. What did you watch that on? Um, it was something on Facebook. Oh yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. posted an old vid of him. Oh, classic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Tom Curran, obviously. Yep. Especially since you had such a personal connection with him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Like when you ask someone their top five, you could always guarantee that either Oki or Tom Curran or Kelly or Andy's going to probably be in one of them. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, to have such a personal experience with Tom Curran would really justify him making your top five, I would imagine. For sure. And I'd, I have to say Tom Carroll. Yeah. Sick. The way he charges. Yeah. Those, those guys are just legends. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Oh, well, happy days. That was five. Okay. So, um, I know you mentioned earlier no surf trips this year for anyone, really, unless you're going up north, which I'm doing in a week. Yeah, good on you too. Got a spare bedroom there, mate, if you want to come join us. Wow, wouldn't mind You can that. bring your babies, being two staffies. You're a big dog man, but we'll give you free rent if you look after my two kids <laughs> for a day or two. <laughs> okay. Deal. Deal yeah, done. Sick. All right, and uh, the other reason why you probably haven't been travelling as much the last couple of years is um, we're both quite into our old steel bumper cars and you've been building a HQ Kingswood that had humble beginnings as a 202 Belmont, uh, which to our overseas listeners is sort of a, a 1974 uh, factory Australian family sedan uh, but in this day and age has a cult following and, uh, you know, especially once you drop the, the big V8 engines in them and that. And, yeah, you're about three years into a build on a HQ. Give us a quick rundown on what that thing's packing. Um, yeah, an old Kingswood I bought out the back of Vass and an old barn there. Yep. Um, been a three-year build, back to bare metal, um, yep. just got painted cherry black. It's got a 383-stroke Chevy in it. Yep. Um, that's a big a, engine it, yeah it's going to be good and um, knowing that you're building a Sandman it's going to be unreal to sort of cool, cruise around yells and, and a couple of old, old cars it will be good yeah, yeah it's an absolute street machine that uh, Bradsy is building it's uh, yeah a highly overpowered V8 gurgling monster of a car with nice shiny paint and fresh chrome and uh, big fat wheels and it's really uh, 
Yeah, you know, there's a plenty of surfers out there that have good one foot in the bogan side of the line and one foot as a surfer, and I think that's both of us, actually, Bradsy. We love a good V8. Who doesn't love a good V8? So, oh, yeah. you know, but obviously that's um, taken up a little bit of your Indo funds a little bit in the last couple of years. I'm aware of that, but um, I'm sure we'll get back there again next year. So, mate, for it's sure. been an absolute amazing talk with you, Bradsy. Uh, I've been mates with you for 25 years, and even though I knew this story, especially about Mentowies and that, I never probed and got the depth of details that i did today so i'm actually stoked that we got this because that was fucking entertaining man that was a cool story thanks so man. well done to you and kel and your brother abbo you guys were legends for doing that um i feel privileged for to sort of get the podcast mate. yeah thanks man no it's good man so. people are gonna love it that's a, such a crazy surf story so you got any final words of wisdom uh to part with there or just anything that you want to leave with anyone um not really, Adzi. Just sort of keep surfing, keep keep healthy, and um, yeah, let's hope this this shit sort of leaves us soon, and um, yeah, we can go travelling again. At least hopefully soon we can go travelling Indo, drive around in your HQ with your two dogs in the back, and uh, just breathe in the fresh air of yelling up. Exactly. Fucking legend. We live in a good spot. We do. All right, Bradzi. Well, thanks heaps for coming in, mate. That's bloody awesome. Cheers, ching Adzie. ching. Thanks Cheers for having us, mate. Well, Much appreciated. Uh, and thanks to everyone for tuning in to Barreled Surf Podcast. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll leave it to DJ Namu to round it out with some quality music. Thanks, guys. You. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.